Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. Welcome to the Mental Roots Podcast. It's me, Nathan Day. And as you know already, if you've been listening, this podcast is all about just talking about mental health and how it affects us young black guys, uh, especially in Britain, but talking about it in a very relaxed way where we just delve into all sorts of things that happen in our lives that lead to our mental health states. So it's uh, mental health is a very broad topic. And especially as young black people, there's all sorts of factors um, affecting that. So I'm just speaking with different people like me who um, have their experiences to share. And of course, any tips from their experience um, or their knowledge that can help us uh, progress in our mental health. Um, But this is mainly a podcast I've started because of a project I'm working on. Um, Shout out to Rural Media and the new creative scheme they do. Uh, I'm working on a short animated film that is exploring this topic. Um, And it's an animation because I'm an animator graduated from the University of Derby, staying there for masters. Um, So yeah, animation is my passion and kind of I'm channeling um, that sort of interest to um, communicate to you guys uh, how we can overcome mental health issues in our community. So um, today I've got my uh, spoken word mentor for the project, uh, Sipo. Um, Sipo, sorry, you're going to have to help me with your last name because I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, name is Sipo Eric Kinjlovu, um, or Sipo, mm. actually, um, mm. if you want to get real technical, um, for the Southern mm. Africans. Um, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you do nice. well so far with my name, so all good. Okay, thank you. Wait, say your last name again. I want to practice. <laughs> of course, I'm Inglovu. Inglovu. Okay, yeah, not bad, not bad, yeah. Inglovu. Inglovu. Yeah. Inglovu. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, do you want to briefly describe what you do to the listeners, who you are, and briefly, like, how we got into contact with each other? Of course, yeah. Um, hello, everybody. Hello to the listeners. Um, welcome. You're gonna enjoy the the podcast. Um, I definitely have. Um, so feel, feeling very privileged to actually be here. Um, in terms of myself, uh, I have a background as a performance artist and a writer and workshop facilitator. Um, I, ha- I trained as um, an actor, um, but I'd always grown up loving words um, and um, <clears throat> and rhythm as well, because um, that had a, um, an impact for me personally. Um, so from acting um, whilst simultaneously practicing uh, poetry and um, writing and performing spoken word poetry as well, 
um, yeah. but then have a background as a, 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 a dancer. And my family is just filled with dancers. Um, wow. <laughs> so that was always um, a part of my my journey and my practice and um, you know because physically and w- what are you trying to say with your body whilst at the same time trying to speak vocally and um, so that came into play as well um, and I just learned so much from that so um, you know put that into into writing in terms of uh, my perspective so that um, came out not only as poetry but articles um, and then with all of that I found myself um, in you know community centers and, and schools and that's where the the facilitator aspect I guess came up Mm. um yeah and so and so that's me um and then i do some other stuff as well <laughs> yeah like me you're very multi-stranded which is what i like i like seeing creatives yeah. delve into different practices but not only delving into different practice but merging those different practices together so um yeah. uh, i think you've kind of done that before which we'll get into later mm. um in terms of some of the sort of short films that you've done um, but yeah, let's just start off with your life story. What was life growing up? Firstly, um, were you born in the UK? Were you born outside the UK? Um, and just, yeah, your experience as a young black boy growing up, I guess. Yeah, man. Um, so I was born in Zimbabwe. Mm. Um, I then uh, soon after moved to South Africa. Um, and I um, lived in South Africa for um, a majority of my childhood. Um mm. And then I came over to the UK when I was nine years old. Um, and, you know, that, that just exposed me to a, a, a lot of contrast to what I had experienced um, back in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and as you can imagine, um, my um, skin colour, um, or for me, my experience, my skin colour when I came to the UK um, became very um, like evident, you know, um, I... Yeah. I, I I didn't know so much about um, what it means to be black in comparison um, to other races. Um, Because, of course, there's mention of it and you recognise it. um, Or I had, um, when I was being schooled, for example, in South Africa, and I had teachers who were white. um, You know, Mm. I I can see differences when they come to the UK and you're like, oh, by the way, um, depending on your colour, will will mean that you have to talk a certain way. Um, yeah. you, you can do this, you can't do that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really young at this point. And I'm like, yeah, this doesn't feel right. Because um, all, all of a sudden I'm, I'm cool in the area that I'm living in um, because there's, there's not many other black people there. And all, all, the, all, all the white people are like, yep, he's black, so he has to be cool. Oh, I bet he can rap. Oh, I bet he can run fast. Yeah. So <laughs> very, very interesting right from the jump, really. Mm. It's, that's interesting. Um, what was? Let's briefly get into kind of. Do you remember what it was like to be in South Africa compared to yeah. being in Britain in terms of the racial relations? Because I'm not sure how many white people you came across in South Africa, but um, maybe just let's briefly compare and contrast. I guess the racial dynamics that you experienced um, between sort of South Africa and Britain. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that, that, that's an, an, an amazing question because um, it, it really makes me think about the differences, but the similarities as well with the dynamics. And, you know, happy to start mm-hmm. with that the similarities and that um, depending on your skin colour, it will connote a, a certain privilege um, and it will um, make a majority of people think that, you know, um, if you are white or if you are lighter skinned, um, you will definitely have more opportunities and 
you know, you're you're smarter and you're wealthier, um, you know, and, yeah. and I was sent in in, um, in in South Africa, and it's you know the same thing like in in, in the UK. As soon as I, I touched down, everything that was assumed of me and was being celebrated was nothing about um, having a, 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 a genuine um, effect to society, you know, because mm. being a rapper and being an athlete, it wasn't anything that was taken seriously for me. And, it, and I was encouraged to do all of that by my um, mm. white friends and teachers. Um, mm. But, you know, no one would put it towards going to university um, or to, you know, exploring academic paths, um, exploring sciences, uh, you know, you know, it's like, why was I not allowed to, to contribute to the world in, in that way? Um, yeah. So that, that was really, really interesting. Um, but then, yeah, I guess like the, the other dynamics. Um, and so, so, so I lived in, I'm in Johannesburg um, mm. in South Africa. Um, many people know where it's just Joburg. Um, and, you know, there's, obviously the majority um black community there in comparison to, to white people for example um mm. and that energy there of not only having black people but having um, black people of different tribes yeah, um, yeah. speaking different languages um was amazing because there's differences just in, in, immediately there but it's almost what brings everybody together um fortunately but also unfortunately maybe um is the skin mm. color because it's like okay yeah. all of these black people then some of these white people and mm. you sort of know where you would rather be and um, for sake of you and your and your and your family so mm. yeah yeah really, really interesting mm. and just out of interest what was the was it what was the reason like your you moved to um england with your family what was your parents kind of um or i guess probably i maybe it was the common reason for a lot of Africans, you know, where you want better chances of education for your children. And uh, maybe for some people who migrate, obviously, it's, or for many people who migrate, it's, it might be because of some level of political or social unrest. Um, so was it a mixture of those things for your family? Is it something you've talked to your parents about? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, to, to, to my understanding, um, having spoken mm. to my parents and what I remember as well, um, we initially moved because of a, a job opportunity that my okay. father was offered. Um, mm. so my father did a few jumps um, and he, he, he worked in South Africa, had a job offer um, to Scotland. Um, mm. that, one, that job took him from Scotland to London um, and then mm. London and then to Wolverhampton. Um, okay. And then uh, my um, mum, who'd been educated in a, a British boarding school that was based oh, wow. in Zimbabwe, mm. um, she had, I guess, a, 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 a perception and um, she, she, she had trusted, um, I guess, at the UK and what it might be able to offer um, for her children. Um, yeah. so my dad was getting these opportunities and, and, and he was gone and me and my mom and my younger brother at that point was still in South Africa and um, because my parents had that conversation and it was like if we're going to do this then we're, we're going we're to go all, all, all the way out um, and that's what sort of yeah m m moved us over I guess uh, just uh, my dad getting a, a job opportunity okay uh, mm. well already that defies kind of the some of the negative stereotypes of why people <laughs> think <laughs> people move countries 
Tell me about oh, it. Was, it, was it to escape this? And now my dad just got a promotion, in it? So. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Um, and I think, yeah, it's nice to hear more stories like that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just out of interest, uh, like what sort of professions did your parents have? And did that kind of have an influence on the ambitions that you want, you, you had as well? Um, so we're kind of more now we're delving into your creative journey and mm. how um, kind of what were your first memories in terms of finding what you were good at artistically? And is is this something that was initially encouraged in the family? Um, mm. Yeah, let's just start getting delving into that. Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, so my the dad, the dad was a barman, um, mm. you know, and a, a bartender and for, for the I'm a Hilton hotel in South Africa. Oh. Um, and he, he'd worked there for a few years and the tips were amazing. This, this, this is why I remember. <laughs> um, but um, it, it, because he'd worked there for so long, um, he, he'd seen some r- regular guests um, and international mm. guests um, that were coming in and out. And, you know, like he, he's always given me tips, uh, funny enough, with growing up um, that, that he had learned. So, for example, if you are a bartender, it's important to remember the regulars drink orders. Um, and uh, little did I know what he was teaching me about here was networking, you know, because mm. um, when um, some clients that were traveling from Scotland, from the UK, from America, all over the world, he'd remember their um, the drink orders. Um, and there was one particular guy um, mm. that my dad um, just w- w- won over, basically. Um, and this guy basically poached him and was like, you're great at your job. I think you should come and manage a, a whole bar. Um, for me in Scotland, um, and that was where things sort of, sort of, sort of started with my, my dad. Um, and, and both my parents at that point were, were both working, like in hospitality. So my mom was always interested mm. in like um, also in waitressing, but then um, mm. chefing as well, and wanted to work mm. towards becoming a, a chef. Um, so that's where sort of things um, started. Um, hospitality, I, I mm. guess. Um, and that, that sort of continued up, up, up until now, you know, many years later. Um, mm. And then like, in terms of, for, for me, um, when I first discovered my own um, interest. Um, so as you may, may hear for some of the listeners, um, I might have a stammer. Um, so so um, I was considered mute um, up until I was five years old because um, I, mm. I didn't speak till I was five. Um, yeah. Similar um, with me, actually, I okay. had a speech impediment problem. Um, and I think it was until about four or five years old, similar to you, that, um, you know, I struggled speaking. I needed speech yeah. therapy in my nursery mm. years and reception. Uh, was it the same for you? Did you also need therapy? Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I needed it, but I mm. never had it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to have that extra support. And um, mm. it's funny how now we're both, you know, poets and <laughs> really yeah. using yeah, the English language, you know. So, yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, carry on. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a like a brilliant, like um, ironic and irony, um, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you know, um, like I, I don't know if this is why, but I was always observant from when, when I was young. You know, I have um, some really vivid um, memories from um, between like when I was I was born and up until I was five when we were traveling between Zimbabwe and South Africa, and I I just remember journeys. I 
remember some conversations, I remember words. Um, and I don't know if, if it was because I, I didn't talk as much um, that that brought in a lot of attention. And so I was just aware of it. But anyway, it made me really observe. And, and the reason I, I say all of that was because um, I was really aware of um, what was going on in, in my in my house when um, aunties and uncles and um, friends of the family were coming in. Um, and I was being exposed to music. You know, there was always music in the house. Um, and it was reggae that um, all my, my parents and all their friends were, were playing. Apparently, they've been playing it since the, the 70s. I'm like, well, okay. Um, it was I'm like the early um, hip hop as well. So it's Tupac around that time. Um, then there was a lot of um, Southern African music and, and house. Nice. So I'm, not only am I hearing it and seeing it, um, but people are dancing to it all the time. Um, you know, nice. Christmas, yeah. birthday parties. And mm. it's um, it's quite overwhelming because I'm just seeing this like constantly. Um, but I, I, as I was sort of growing up, um, you know, like I, I was eight, eight years old. Um, when we talk about encouragement and when I, when I started sort of like being artistic, was it encouraged? Um, while it was um, an introduction um, to hip hop when I was eight years old, when my mom bought me um, an, an Eminem album, which was the Eminem show. Um, <laughs> if anyone has an eight-year-old son and wants to buy them that album, really inappropriate, by the way. <laughs> but it, it might change their life. <laughs> because it, it, it did. Um, interestingly, even though I was exposed to hip-hop beforehand, um, that album was really my first introduction. And, I, and I've, wow. I, I, I've just fallen in love with hip-hop. But then what starts to happen is that like, that's the first album where um, I'm rapping and I'm humming along to um, the lyrics. <laughs> um, but what's happening, Nathan, is that um, yeah. as I'm doing that, something is feeling really different within my, my chest and my head. And um, because what happens is that um, whenever I, I, I stammer, whenever I'm talking normally, um, even now, um, my, my, my uh, chest and what feels like my mind, I'm sort of like... Mm. A, contract you know they come together but when mm. i was rapping those eminem lyrics um mm. everything was, was loose um there was something mm. about the musicality i was i was really free and so i mm. actually started to employ um those rhythmic techniques um in my everyday speech and that <laughs> was me actually being able to communicate without stammering and having fun with it wow. and that was yeah you know the, the beginning of um yeah, this rhythmic exploration and, and poetry and then I was like let me write this down and yeah that, that was the beginning and then lots of things came after that yeah that's awesome to hear especially from an artistic point because um, even as we're, we're going to delve into mental health now and kind of um, I guess a lot of what you're going to say in regards to your mental health growing up will be in retrospect so maybe at the time you wouldn't have been aware but um, <laughs> yeah I, I think this is good because a huge part of this podcast is also looking at the arts and the role the arts have to play um, in, especially for us black people in terms of processing our, uh, our emotions. And, you know, even like for you, it, it was a way that actually helped you to communicate better. And mm. that's quite powerful because a lot of um, people might see hip hop as, um, you know, they just see the neg negative aspects of it, which is fair enough, you know, not, um, there's, hip hop has its flaws, just like a lot of cultures have their flaws, you know, because every culture is made of flawed people, isn't it? So, um, but I, I've learned to appreciate the art form of hip hop and the good that it does for communities and, you know, all sorts of 
black people from all sorts of backgrounds, whether um, they're migrating to the UK or they're born in the yeah. UK, you know, there's something about hip hop that resonates with everyone. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really a freedom of speech that um, it promotes, you know. Um, yeah, so I resonate, resonate with that on a deep level. Um, um, although I never had like secular hip hop albums in my house. I think the only <laughs> CD, I think the only CD we had, because I grew up in a very um, Christian household. So I don't mm -hmm. know if it was the same for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know like, it might not sound like it, but yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, I mean, the only CDs we really had at home were just gospel ones really or just yeah. all, all types of christian songs some songs were from uh ghanaian artists my family's from ghana so mm -hmm. it's a mixture of various cultures but all having the same sort of message of um jesus and everything but i had like there was just one compilation cd of um christian hip-hop artists that we had yeah. and at the time when i was about six or seven years old when i was enjoying it or maybe i was even five i i I remember enjoying the CD, but I didn't. I didn't listen to any of the lyrics. I didn't know it was Christian hip hop. Yeah, it was like the. I remember the rhythms and kind of some of the lyrics as well. But similar for me, hip hop. Um, it's funny because I, obviously, in terms of the lifestyle the rappers were talking about, in terms of mainstream circular hip hop, I didn't relate to it. But it was the escapism. It's the, you know, seeing people who look like me flourishing you know um which was interesting because even then as a small child like obviously race wasn't something I thought about but I could tell that I looked different from most of my friends and that yeah the way I grew up was very different you know I remember I had a mixed race friend and he came to my uh, flat one day when but this was back when we used to live in um uh in Clapham Park in South London okay. and uh I yeah I had a friend come over and you know I remember he we had rice and stew. I don't know if you know Ooh. about rice and stew. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And he, I remember my friend saying, I, I think he didn't want the stew and I was surprised. I was like, wow, how yeah. can you not like the stew? And he just had rice and mayonnaise. And I was like, what? Who does that? Ooh. So Ooh. that was that was a turning point for me in terms of my exposure to my friends from other sort of backgrounds. I was like, that's boring. <laughs> how can you just have, you know how wow. some, I don't mean mean to stereotype, but you know how some white people they they seem okay with just having rice or they have rice with butter on it, and it's like, where's the flavor in that, man? Come on. So, <laughs> so and I, yeah. the funny thing as well, my friend used to say, um, "Can I have some plantain as well, please?" You know, oh, wow. plantain. You know, <laughs> have you heard someone say plantain before? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know this debate, yeah, yeah, I know there's debate between like planting and planting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> in Ghana, in Ghana we say plantain, you know. Oh, plantain, okay. Plantain, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, that's quite, that was quite funny, but there were just little moments like that in growing up. I was like, okay. Whoa. I am yeah. quite different. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. But yeah, hip hop <laughs> gave me a sense of, you know, belonging. Um and, you know, like it wasn't until I was in my teenage years in secondary school that I realized actually there's a Christian alternative and that these Christian rap artists are actually, actually really good, you know? Mm. Um, so now that's kind of what I'm passionate about is um, I've joined a community of Christian hip hop artists. We've got a WhatsApp group chat now. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like I'm part of um, the, the UK, I'm I'm keeping an eye on the UK scene in terms of Christian hip hop artists and 
I think we're, you know, starting to get our names out there a bit more. And it's funny because yeah. now I, I'm saying ah because that just shows how much I feel connected to the group. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so that that's kind of what I'm on now. But um, anyway, back to you. Um, and in terms of mental health, um, what was kind of what was that sort of um, experience like growing up for you? Mm, um, yeah, no, that's uh, it, it's really interesting. I just type with what we were talking about with um, mm. uh, hip hop and, and, and Christian hip hop artists. I think they really mm. all uh, um, feed into mental health um yeah. well uh, uh life is supposedly supposed to be simple um mm. you um grow up in a normal family you you play out as a kid you know who you are you know um what you're going to do next and if ever yeah. you you mess up um there's always going to be the the guidance to support you then at the end of the day you're going to live a happy life you know you're going to get your house <laughs> uh, your car, everything's going to be blessed um but I guess, you know, what, what happens with a lot of young people and there might be some crucial years, you know, like that uh, 15 or just just a little bit younger, just a little bit older, where mm. things get, get really serious, you know. Yeah. Um, so when you are a, a young, so like in, in my, my um, experience as a, a young black boy in, in Britain, um, you know, it, it doesn't end there because I am a Christian and not everyone around me is a Christian. So mm. I have to... Um, uh, operate within that space. I love hip hop and rap, but I'm a Christian again. Should I? Mm. Um, you know, yeah. because I'm mm. quite terrified. And so then yeah. there's the Christian hip hop yeah. art, and I'm like, that. That's sorry, a- just out of interest, just to set the oh, context. Sorry, yeah. did, um, did you ever? Like, do you know? Do you know? Do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus, or is it kind of something where? For as long as you remember, you've always believed in Jesus and it's just been a gradual journey. Because that's what it's been like for me. I can't remember the exact moment I gave my life to Jesus, but there's definitely, um, I guess, standout moments in my journey growing up as a Christian where I came to more of a maturity in terms of what it means to follow him. So um, what what was was that like, just to set the context? um, Yeah. Because I feel like your faith might have something to do with it. Yeah, no, my, my my faith is every has absolutely everything to do with mm. yeah my, my my whole life and everything I can remember, I can see a reference to God there, um, mm. and even now it's, it's a big step for me. So yeah, I, I I've grown up in the church, grown up in many churches, mm-hmm. um, you know, so but both my parents um come from quite big families um mm. uh, you know, I, I believe my, my, my mom has um either like six or seven siblings then my, my dad has about like uh, maybe like 12 siblings so, mm. so something crazy like that and um yeah. when we live in south africa lots of family members are around and what i remember is that like my parents would take me to one church um mm. and the following sunday one auntie's taking me to another church um mm. And following one, another auntie's taking me to a different church. And all the aunties are baptizing me as well, you know, that they're all getting me baptized. <laughs> like, what is going on here? So I've been baptized like a time. Um, not wow. without my consent, of course. Um, but no, in terms <laughs> of like, um, for me uh, personally, because I, I was really young back then, you know, so, so I, like, mm. I'm, I'm under the age of five, just over the age of five, so six, seven, all of that. Um, but no, for me, um, I do remember, you know, like... Um, we come to UK uh, um, uh, for me when I'm nine years old. Um, I remember I'm, I'm 14 years old and we're still mm. going to, to church um, every Sunday. Um, we've recently gone to like a Catholic church as, as well. You know, we're, we're, we're trying that. Um, yeah, I, I remember I'm, I'm 14 years old. I'm in year 10. 
um, I am going, um, like l- l- lunch has just, has just finished. Um, mm. I was in a classroom um, and something just um, almost like clipped like mm. in my mind um, and almost had like this epiphany, like this p- perspective. And I just knew in that moment that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not alone. Everything, um, was it like everything you know, all, all throughout the rest of my life is going to be okay. Um, and yeah, it was just like this big moment. Um, and it's almost like, it's something that I'd always known, but, um, at this point it was clarified and it was confirmed, which is obviously not a a big part of the the Christian faith. You walk with faith, it gets confirmed and you're like, okay, now I know why I should have trusted you all along. God, Mm. Uh, I'm gonna do this again and again. Um, so so yeah, that was like a a big moment because that was really personal to me that no one else was around. and then, yeah, and since then, you know, obviously, um, the, the, the family um, is still attending the church, and obviously, not at the moment, due to lockdown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that was a big moment for me personally, and I've I've, I've continued on my I'm, I'm I'm a walk with Jesus Christ. Awesome, awesome. Mm. So now, yeah, let's delve into the mental health. Um, were there mm. any difficult moments in your life where, in retrospect, you can see that your mental health was suffering? What were the things causing? those pressures and uh, how did you get through those um, issues as well was I mean imagine because with mental health you know and we've kind of I've kind of looked into this already with yeah. my um, you, you might have seen my conversation with Paul Kazadi and RT Hines um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you listened to that um, but yeah that was quite a powerful conversation we had in terms of even within the church you know the the popular experiences of navigating mental health and how some a lot of the time we hear about church members over spiritualizing things and saying oh just pray about it um again and and especially in many you know african families where we're coming from backgrounds where we might not be privy to the practical ways of dealing with mental health issues we have (laughs) it's easy in our families to just say oh just pray about it or uh we rebuke that um, <laughs> demon or whatever. I'm afraid that is the end of this part of this interview. Um, stay tuned for the next part of the interview in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Peace. One hundred fifty years of Children's National Hospital, one hundred fifty years of groundbreaking research, of exceptional healthcare for kids, of helping families like mine and yours. One hundred fifty years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org/slash/one-hundred-fifty-years. That's childrensnational.org/slash/one-hundred-fifty-years. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.